Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 75. Have you ever wondered what the entire entrepreneurship journey looks like from starting it, why someone started, how they grew it, some of the ups and downs, and then the actual journey throughout the exit and then what it's like on the other side? Well, the greatest part about this episode is Kelly Caldwell, who came on the show, walks us through the entire journey start to finish and what she's doing today. And I actually had an amazing time because of how well she articulated and the amazing story that she gave. She started from a wildlife science degree and working in a zoo to running a $25 million business with 200 employees, juggling cash, and then growing it to the point where they sold it to a public company successfully. And now she's on the other side in a life after where she is exploring, investing and doing other things. Kelly's got a great story and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. So without further ado, here's my episode with Kelly. This episode of Life After Business is brought to you by Solidity Financial's Growth and Exit Planning. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the right buyer at the price you want. Kelly, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing good. I'm super happy you're coming on the show. You and I were sitting in Palm Springs and we, I think there was a big concert going on. We met at the EY conference and we got talking and you had a really cool story and I'm excited that you're willing to share it with our listeners. Um, so for their sake, if you can maybe go back, like, what was the first decision you made to jump into becoming an entrepreneur? Where were you and how did you end up deciding to actually formalize it and jump in with both feet? Um, well, I guess um, I was working at Foster, a company, a large company, um, environmental consulting firm with um, my business partner, well, who would turn into be my business partner, Amy. And um, we were um, just working on a lot of projects together, really enjoyed working together, worked really well together. And she was really becoming frustrated with the company we worked for and just felt like we had so much red tape we had to go through. She felt like we could just do things so much better if, um, you know, you ran it. Could, yeah. I mean, and actually it was, it was my idea. I said to her, I said, well, Amy, you know, you should just start your own business. And, um, and she said, well, I could never do that. I, I, and she joked, she's like, I can't even balance my own checkbook. And, and I, and, you know, I know she was teasing, but I said, well, I could do that for you. And it was funny. We were like in Maine, you know, um, on a project, just having a few drinks at night and we just started talking about it. And, um, and so, so, you know, we just kind of laughed and thought, well, that could be cool. And then, you know, a few weeks later, we continued talking about it and um, started thinking what the business name would be and how would we do this? How would we talk to the clients? We didn't have non-competes, which was good oh, for us. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, then actually uh, something happened at our company where one of her managers actually took about 10 individuals and moved to a large, another competitor of mm-hmm. ours. Um, and so I called her up. She was actually on vacation. And I said, Amy, if if we're going to start a business, like we should do it now because they just left. Everyone's worried about this. If, if you and I just take one client, like maybe two, like nobody's <laughs> going to care. Nobody's, you know? And so that's what we did. We started the company then. And, um, and yeah, I think people thought we were kind of crazy. I think they, you know, kind of were, you know, my, my supervisor, cause Amy was not my supervisor. We worked together. She was a senior manager, but my supervisor said, okay, well, you know, good luck. But if, if it doesn't go well, you're welcome to come back. Like, you know, and it was, there was not much confidence, <laughs> but, uh, but it was, it was awesome. Cause we started off with a few uh, clients right away and just kept running from that point. So forward. describe for us what, like, what was the nature of the business? Uh, Cause I think it was really, it's a really interesting business that you guys had. So what was the industry and what were you, what services and uh, things were you guys doing for the clients? Um, we provided, um, environmental and, uh, construction management services primarily to the energy industry, like natural gas primarily. And so that means when a pipeline is being built, we would, um, do all the field studies, um, identify, um, what kind of wildlife is there, what kind of endangered species, um, wetlands and anything that needed environmental permit from the federal and state agencies. That's what Amy and I did, um, 
working at this other company. And then we added services along the way with, with AK, with our company, AK Environmental. And, um, but so yeah, we just, we helped our clients, you know, build their projects and in compliance with all the federal and uh, state regulations. Well, I think it's interesting how you got there too, for actually becoming an entrepreneur, because based on what you and I were talking about, I mean, you got an interesting education, right? Because weren't you, was it a biologist or a zoologist? It was your kind of in, in ambition or, and all of a sudden you're an entrepreneur? <laughs> Yes, yes. No, I, um, my major was wildlife science and, um, I thought I was going to be working at zoos. I love, <laughs> um, animals and, and exotic animals. I actually had internships at, um, the Cincinnati Zoo and Indianapolis Zoo. I'm from the Midwest, um, and worked with really cool animals like, um, elephants and ostrich and kangaroos. And, and so I just, I, what ended up happening from that part of my life was I just realized that it wasn't challenging enough for me. And so I started, trying new career paths and um, new fields that would fit my degree. And so I, um, from the zoo, uh, I went to like state and federal permitting, working for like a state agency and reviewing the permit applications, um, you know, when things are being built. And so just giving the approval. And then, um, and then again, that kind of wasn't as challenging for me as well. I just, um, I wanted to do more out in the field and experience it besides sitting behind a, a desk. And, um, and so, uh, somebody actually had mentioned when I worked at the federal government, um, they thought, you know, Kelly, you would really like consulting. That's, you know, they get to do all the field work. They need, they mm-hmm. identify the wetlands and they do these endangered species surveys. So, so I, uh, had a connection through, through that contact to interview at a large company. And so that's where I met Amy was I worked there for two years. And, um, just really, really enjoyed it. And really, um, there was room to grow and, um, I I liked taking on more responsibility. I liked the challenges and learning new things. And, um, and yeah, I, I never envisioned myself being an entrepreneur. Even though you just described the resume of an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) So it makes sense now in hindsight, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. It's just that I, yeah, I just, um, yeah, wanted, wanted to feel challenged and, and then also helping, I mean, the thing with Amy was, I mean, I saw her potential. Like I knew she could do this on her own. What was her um, role versus yours in the company? So I was just, an, uh, I was just like an entry level biologist um, at the beginning. So I did all the field work. I did the grunt work. I would travel the, the different states and identify the things that we needed to, and then do the permit application. She was more senior manager where bringing in the clients and, and then reviewing all the, the things that needed to go out, the documents that need to go out to the um, clients. So so yeah, so we, um, she had that sales experience. She had all the contacts. She had Bringing all the clients. Yep. Yeah, and so when, um, when I said, "Hey, I'll help you," it just was a good fit. We we just really worked well together. We, you know, when we started the company, we really did pretty much everything. All of us, you know, both of us did everything. You know, we were both in the field mm-hmm. um, where she wasn't necessarily doing that as much in the past at at the large company, but. We both did field work. The one thing she didn't do was the finances. She hated. <laughs> You're advancing the <laughs> check, checkbook. Yeah. But I was like, I can handle that. I no, like, awesome. you know. So, so speaking of challenges, you know, because uh, what what year was that? I guess uh, to get so we me. started in 2002. Okay, so in 2002. Obviously, we're in 2018 now. The challenges that you experienced, Lana, what were some of the bigger challenges and milestones that you think you you guys hit and ran through? I think cash was always an issue for us because we're a service <laughs> business. So like, um, just we, it was fortunate. I mean, we were, um, we had great relationships with our clients and so, and we were doing well and they were happy. And so they were asking us to provide more services. And so more services is more people. And so, you know, it was great because they set us up for our growth. I feel like our clients definitely did that for us. It wasn't as challenging to grow as fast as we did because because of our clients and, um, and our relationships. Um, but it was just the cash. <laughs> it's just, you know, to be able to pay for everyone every two weeks, you know, that was the challenge. And we, we started <laughs> the business with, yeah, exactly. <laughs> payroll. And so we, um, I mean, we started the business with like, you know, we had to put some kind of money in the bank account just to be official, you know, as our <laughs> LLC agreement or whatever. And so I think we started it with like, um, $1,600 or something, because I remember the lawyer said, you know, our, um, our, uh, Amy and I were 60, 40. That's, that's what part of our, our deal was. She was 60% owner. I was 40% owner. And, um, I think she had a number that she was going to put in, but I couldn't match the 40%. So that's why it came up with a weird 
because I was only like 25 at the time. Right. It was just me and my <laughs> husband. And and so anyway, um, so we started out with not having that much, but we were 1600 bucks. And then like, yeah. the, attor- and the, the attorney's fees are probably two grand to set it all up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember, but uh, yeah, but it was, um, so, but it was great because we were, we were always making money. We were always profitable, which was awesome, but it was just, um, that once we got larger, like just being able to cash flow. And so, um, I mean, there was definitely times where, um, Amy and I didn't pay ourselves for like m- months. Like, I mean, I feel like half of a year cause we grew so much in different times. Like uh, I think 2007 was a big year for us, um, where we grew from like 10 to 40, which now doesn't employees. seem like much. Yes. 10 yep. to 40 employees. Sorry. And that didn't seem I mean, now thinking back, that doesn't seem like much, but that was so hard because that's a lot. Of, that's make, a lot of salaries. Yes, yes, and they were everyone was paid decent. You know, it's not like you know five dollars an hour or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a lot of so um, so that that was a big jump for us going from ten people to about forty people. And um, can we dive but, into that a little bit? Because I think it's I think it's an important thing because there's a couple of things that you you touched on that I think. Is a cha- first of all, cash is always a challenge, but it's interesting because your clients are providing you the opportunity to grow. So maybe walk us through like the, the cash cycle because are, are, the, are you building yeah. projects up front that allow you to hire these people, or did you have to invest in thirty bodies and then go sell it? Because I think, and the reason behind the, the question yeah. is that I think some service businesses they have to hire the people in order to sell it versus mm-hmm. because of when and how their clients pay them. So there's a, that whole juggle of the float. So you know, how did your guys' situation work? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so no, we, um, where we started growing in that year was during our inspection services. So we had, um, so those staff are a hundred percent billable. So, um, and so I think, I think that was the year. So we won a project where we were going to provide 20 staff. And so they weren't part of our staff yet. Um, so uh, 20 inspectors, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Okay. Um, um, but we had the resumes of them and, and that's kind of our industry was, um, we, we had a network of people that we knew we could pull when we were ready, when we had the, the, the job. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so we knew we had the people, we just didn't have to pay them until they were working, but still they're working for us for, you know, probably at least 30 days mm-hmm. before we get paid. So our, our clients were actually awesome about paying within 30 days, which, you know, I've learned it's not always the case. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, but they were, they were awesome. Like it's, um, you know, if you, I, I was very, um, in the beginning, I'm the one that did all the invoices, you know, it was just Amy and I that were the the leadership. So like, um, everyone else that worked for us was billable and they were scientists or they were inspectors. And so I didn't invest in having somebody else work, um, doing all the finance stuff until later on, which I can get to later. Cause I think I waited too long on that one, but, but you know, I had to get invoices out by a certain date. So I knew the money would come in <laughs> so that before the payroll, you know, and I had it all timed out because it was that critical that, um, you know, we only had, you know, you know, maybe 30 days before, you know, I was calling somebody for money. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, that's know, a little bit different than balancing a checkbook, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know what we were getting into. That's funny too. It's like, oh, I can help you, Amy. But I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. But, but we, uh, but we survived. But yeah, that, um, so I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, but yeah, so we, it's, it's the, it's the challenges of the, the, I think the cash is always a challenge. And, you know, it, and as we, you know, dive more into the, like how the valuation and the eventual exit, but, you know, how and when cash comes in is always a big deal because it's, it also dictates your reliance on a bank and other right. people and, you know, how fast you actually can grow, you know? Right. So let's, let's go actually into that, you know, why you, you know, when and how you hired that finance person and, you know, what did they do for you? Why do you think you waited too long? Well, um, they, they helped with, I mean, a lot. So, so we were services. So most of our staff, um, you know, were billing out on an hourly basis. And sometimes, um, so there was a lot of, um, time consuming invoicing. And even though we tried to automate stuff, we were invoicing every two weeks, um, to, again, to get the cash flow going. um, And so, and our, our clients were fine with that. Most of our clients were there. Um, that was something we changed, um, earlier on. I was Hmm. being creative of like, how can I get more money coming in faster? So I was invoicing faster. And so, so that came, that became our strategy. And so I guess the finance piece, um, hiring somebody. It's just, I was just doing too much on my own. And, and a lot of it what, what, that I was doing was finance. It was all the invoices. It was payroll. It was, you know, mm-hmm. just the daily books, all of that stuff. I just felt, um, 
and it, I feel embarrassed to say it now, but I felt like I couldn't trust somebody else to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, That's um, very I remember valid. saying that in an article and I was like, oh, I can't believe I said that, but it, it was true. That's how I felt at the time. Like, I just felt like this is our business. This is, this is the critical piece. Like if we screw up on not paying people, they're not going to come back and work for us. <laughs> at least I wouldn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I just was really nervous to hand that over to somebody else. But then what I learned was, and I did, I did try to hire a few different people. And, and that was, again, my bad of not knowing what type of person I really needed and, and how I ended up using a recruiting firm because they knew the exact, they knew my company almost better than I did because they'd seen different companies and they knew what stage I was in. And I didn't know if I needed a CFO or just a, mm-hmm. you know, a director of finance or a controller. I mean, I, and so, so that was really helpful. Um, it just happened so a lot later than it should have. And, and, uh, and when I say nothing happened to the business that was detrimental, it was just my stress. It I was, was going to say your sanity probably, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My family. I mean, my husband will say that like, the woman that I ended up hiring was her name was Diane, and and he's always like Diane, you saved our lives, like, you know? <laughs> and awesome. we still hear, and he's you know, and she was, I mean, I love her, and she was great, um, and uh, but yeah, it was just more my sanity, mm-hmm. yeah, that I was just really doing way too much. So then, so. as we continue progressing down the timeline, I mean, you go from ten to forty employees, and you grew all the way up to two hundred, you know. Right. So, what were maybe some of the revenue benchmarks and the employee benchmarks as you're growing, and how did your so what are the benchmarks, and then underneath that, what was your thought process, and where were you trying to go? Were there certain benchmarks that you were trying to hit, and you know, maybe shed some light into the the thought process? Yeah. Um, so we hit. Um, like in states, we started in 2002. We hit like 18 million in 2008, I think. I think that's right. And so that was like, that's when we started getting all this recognition for how much, how fast we've grown. And, um, and so, um, then we started because of all this recognition that I, that was actually helpful to get us exposed to all these different business networks and then to learn more about what we should be doing mm-hmm. differently or how, how others, at our size are, you know, managing things. And so, um, from that point, um, we kind of, uh, fluctuated. Um, we were, I think we went to like 19 million and then we actually had a dip in 2010, like 14 million. And that was our first ever, like, you know, we've, we've been just on that, you know, that hill going straight up or the hockey stick or whatever. (laughs) And, um, and so, um, and so having that dip, like was, it it kind of concerned us, but it was funny because we were still getting all that recognition from the years before um, that um, it was great because it, I think it, it helped us turn 2010 to just turn it around in 2011. And I think, um, so, okay, I'll fast forward. So we ended up in 2013 um, being close to um, 2012. We, we ended up being close to 25 million, like 24 point something. So we're close to 25 million. And, um, and so our goal was to try to get to 50 million. That was our goal. And, um, and that wasn't necessarily a number of employees or a number, I mean, cause we had different employees, um, different service lines. So it wasn't necessarily. Because you're backfilling just, services. So it doesn't necessarily tie to, you know, any kind of success because yeah, of how it, you're. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so at 50 was our goal just because, um, we had started, we had already started thinking about, um, how we would sell the business. Um, that kind of came about in 2010, um, just how we would exit because Amy is, um, at a different stage in her life. Um, she was closer to retirement age. And so we knew that this, we felt like what we'd learned through different, um, business networks and experiences, that was probably our best way to exit and for her to retire. And so I how did you start talking about that? Sorry to interrupt, but it's, I yeah. think it's, it's a, it's a conversation that I think a lot of people are freaked out about, you know, was it, was it the dip in revenue that got you thinking differently or like where and when, how did you shift from growth mode to big strategy mode? So in 2010, it wasn't because we had a dip. It was actually because, um, we did have a dip, but we were approached by a competitor that year to, to be purchased. And so, um, and, and it was a large company that we knew very well. And, um, and I, and I remember talking to my accountant, like as an advice, like, should we really go through with, you know, even talking to them because we're not there yet. Like, I I don't even know, you know, I I knew that we had this dip, the the company probably didn't necessarily know, (laughs) you know, we, we saw it coming, but, um, but they knew, um, 
of all these awards that we'd received and how fast we had grown since 2002 and what we were doing and our clients. Um, but anyway, she, she said, you know, the advisor said, you should definitely go through with the process. It'll be a learning for you. Um, you're probably going to do this at some point. And so going through that process was very educational and realizing what our value was and, and then how to really build it to where we were ready to exit. Like, you know, because, um, there were so many things I didn't know about the cost of the sale, um, you know, how they would value us, you know? And so that was, so I don't know if I answered your question. No, no, I think it's, I think it's, it's fantastic because I think there's, you know, a good chunk of the people that the, the first time they sell is the, or there's the first time they go through the process. So, you know, because we ended up selling a couple branches, which kind of gives you that, oh, wow, this is way more than we thought. So right. when you say that you learned a lot, maybe explain some of the process and obviously you and your partner are having some epiphanies throughout the process. What, what were some of the main things that you took away from that process that you then applied? I think. Um, I think probably at that point was that Amy and I were really the, the bigger, the only real managers of the company. Like we didn't have that um, leadership team is what we called it. Our senior team really below us. Like we had a lot of, a lot of doers and then there were us, um, but we just didn't have as much of a structure for leadership underneath us. And so, um, so that was one of the things that we changed um, after that point. And actually in 2010, just so you know, too, they actually made us an offer, but we, Right. We didn't, yeah. So they made us an offer, even the way we were, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a good, um, it wasn't something we were interested in, in um, dollar wise. And so, so it was still very flattering though, to go through that and have this company that's a competitor, a large competitor value us no matter what the way, you know, it was still, I thought it was very flattering. Um, but we learned that, you know, we need to have this structure in place so that we are more valuable um, and, and to diversify, maybe try to get, you know, we had, probably two clients that were um, 70 to 80% of our revenue, oh, wow. which is hard. Um, and it's not, you know, with our clients, they're working across the country. So they're working on various projects that, at um, one time. So it's not that we only had one project with those two clients, but it was just that they knew us so well and it was that repeat work. And it was great. But, um, you know, just really trying to broaden our base so that we were, again, that would be more valuable mm-hmm. to, um, to, are buyers. they telling you that throughout the process? So like, I'm curious, like, mm-hmm. did that competitor value you more in like a strategic mind of, okay, we can, they can scale and they had a dollar amount because of a return on investment or was it like a multiple of EBITDA or like, how did they, come to that number and then how did they explain to you the the reasons you know like the client concentration your management how did you come to those realizations and how they affected the numbers Does that make sense yes so i don't think i mean i know how we were valued when we when we dealt when we did sell eventually i i don't remember i mean the number that they came up with wouldn't have been a um a, i don't think it would have been a um a markup of, of ebitda um uh because the number that so i think I think what that client, what that um, potential buyer was doing was buying some of our big clients at that, you know, mm-hmm, buying. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think that's why the value was lower. And they, and then they would also be for that client uh, or for that customer or that potential buyer. Uh, they, they probably wouldn't have used a lot of our staff. They probably would have oh, just okay. been buying the contracts and oh. then not necessarily keeping our staff because they already did what we did and they had the staff to do all that. So, um, so I think that's why the value was, was lower. And, and so, so what was helpful to us was that, that investment banker, that was the one that approached us for this potential buyer. I thought they were very helpful because I think they knew um, that we could be working with them eventually in the end. And so I kept in touch with that investment broker because I realized that they were kind of niche to our industry, like specific to environmental engineering consulting. And so they knew a lot of people um, that could be potential buyers and know, and not just the competitors that we already knew about, but just, you know, big base of Mm -hmm. um, potential buyers. And so I kept in touch, well, we kept in touch with them over the years, um, just like on a yearly basis, like here, here's my financials. This is what we're doing. Like, you know, I, I just, I wanted to learn from them as well. And so I just felt like I knew that you had to pay for their services, but just keeping in touch with them like that, I felt like it was probably beneficial to them to know what's going on with us. And then also it's beneficial to me to see, you know, what kind of comments they have. Um, and so I got as much free advice from them as I could over the years until what we ended up doing was going with this broker, or this investment banker in 2013, because we, we built this relationship and, um, and they did, you know, start helping us with some things. And, um, 
you know, just with, through conversations. And then, um, in 2013, when we were ready, we decided to go ahead and sign with them for them to help us sell the business. I think that's fantastic because a lot of people don't, first of all, it takes so much trust and relationship to when you're going through that process to have someone that you can, that that understands you can actually speak on your behalf. And Mm -hmm. was this individual giving you advice kind of on the management team and the client concentration and some of those tactical uh, things, or was it more of the higher level, here's what, here's what I think you could be worth. And here's what, you know, what, you know, where, what, where were you getting those strategic decisions that you were making on where you were going with the business? Well, I think with the investment banker, they gave us more of a higher level, um, of, you know, this is how you, you know, these, this is what you could be worth if you, um, at this size. And, um, you know, they did probably help us. They did definitely give us some feedback about the, um, you know, broadening the base of our clients, which we knew that, but it's just, you know, being more focused on doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with the, the other, you know, with being more strategic, um, with our leadership, I really got that from, um, some of the business networks that I was mm-hmm. part of and, and, and specifically Ernst Young Winning Women. Like that one was like, like a light bulb went off when we started talking about something and just having that, that team underneath me. I think, I think we knew we needed to do that, but I just always felt like, Oh, do we have enough money? Like, um, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, I knew it was going to be hard at finding that right person Mm -hmm. and trust and things like that. But, um, I think, um, being, being with other business owners and seeing what they had gone through and talking about it and, and how they've come out on the other side, like that, that was key to us, Mm -hmm. um, to be helpful to really think about building that strategic team. And then, and then just thinking bigger, like, we really didn't have a number in mind. Like, you know, that's where we kind of came with the 50 million. It was like, let's just go for it. Like, let's really try to be mm-hmm. aggressive. And, and so, I think that's really cool because I, you know, as you're um, envisioning, can you, as you're kind of shifting your mindset throughout going through that process and now you're thinking differently, you know, so to go from 50 million as a revenue number to having these conversations about value and timing and all that. So, how did your goals change mentally for, you know, you or both you and Amy for, is it a net dollar amount that you wanted? Was it, you know, keeping your employees? Was it selling at a certain timeline? I mean, I think, you know, how did you determine what was important to you in that eventual exit? Yeah, that is, that is hard. Cause so it did change my mindset. Like I think um, when Amy and I started the business and this is for, for me, I mean, I never envisioned we would sell the business. Like when we first started talking about it, probably before 2010, I thought like, who's going to buy our business? Like, really? like I just, that was so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I didn't go into it thinking we would even be able to sell the business. And so we were just doing what we love to do and doing it the way we wanted to do it and felt like we were treating the clients well. We, we loved our employees and like, we felt like we were, that's how we felt like we were able to grow faster with the loyalty with our employees and, and, the, and the employees actually spreading the word. I mean, I, I um, talked about the clients, um, you know, helping us grow, but our employees as well. I mean, you know, when we were looking for other staff, I mean, we, I had, I had, um, you know, employees that were finding us other work too. I mean, like our oh, employees cool. were off, you know, and cause everyone, everyone has their own network. And so, you know, it was just, I just remember one employee in particular said, he was approached by one of our clients and said, I want you to come work on this project. And he said, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go work for you unless you hire me through, he called, he was an older gentleman. He said, I'm not going <laughs> to work for, uh, for you unless you hire me through the girls. Like he called Amy and I, <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. He was so sweet, but I mean, he got us more clients because, you know, he had a network. And so anyways, I, I, I felt like we, um, the loyalty with the employees because we treated them well, we paid them as best as we could. And we provided them as many um, benefits as we could as well. We felt like that was important. Okay. So I really just, no, no, I think it's important because like, and actually you're kind of alluding to the the reason I asked the question, because if you, the first person would have bought you, no, no. If the first person would have bought you, you know, they would have taken the contracts and the clients. And that was one of the things that you and I were talking with Bobby Martin had issues with that. Right. And how that was not necessarily something he was aware of or what was important to think about. So, you know, you've got the, the, you know, the gross dollar amount that you might sell the company for. And then there's the net dollar amount, which sometimes people don't realize is significantly different. And then also what happens to the employees and who you might sell to. Um, So like as you're reformatting your mindset, you're looking at what's important. So you're obviously your employees are important, but how are you determining how to interact all these different conflicting decisions sometimes? Well, and then that is, that's kind of where, 
thank you for reminding where I was going because it did change my mindset. Once we knew we were selling, it not that I um I mean I still cared for the employees and everything, but it definitely became for me like working for AKM, it was now like I was working for AK. Like AK mm-hmm. was my company and it was what what I did and I loved it and but then once we decided we were going to sell and we were really moving towards that path, it was really like focusing on the numbers, which I love numbers and but it became a different way of looking at the numbers, mm-hmm. you know? What I mean? And so that I think um I don't think I could have avoided that. It, it's just that's um that's where it be it, I became burnt out faster because things just changed. You know, we were looking for the end for good reasons. I mean, because, you know, we, for Amy to retire and I, and I definitely didn't want to go on without Amy. It wouldn't be the mm-hmm. same. We started the company. It was AK environmental a for Amy. So you just buying her out was not, I, I didn't want to do that. I just didn't feel like, yeah, I mean, that could have been an option, but I just didn't feel like that was the right option. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that. And so, um, and so starting to move forward to, to the sell, um, sell the business, it was, it started becoming all about numbers and, you know, um, we were always profitable, but like, can we make our margins better? And like, <laughs> so it, it really, um, it did turn and we were still treating the employees well, and we were still giving them all the benefits, even though, you know, I wanted our margins to be better. We never sacrificed like, okay, well let's cut 401k. We still kept those, um, benefits, but, um, but when Keeping we, the people that you just want to hang out with on payroll for no reason <laughs> is, becomes a little bit different, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Once to find um, a buyer, I mean, it, it just it definitely changed the feel for me. What was the time frame between you know? Okay, it was a mental shift. We're looking mm-hmm. at the numbers. We're, we're marching this direction. What was the time frame from when you you know m- mentally decided that to the actual event? Um. Probably, um, probably from 2010 to 12, it was like, you know, you know, doing our best to change things, to get things in place. But then from like 12 through 13, we sold in 2014. Um, that's when things became, um, I started to become like just paranoid about the numbers because, mm-hmm. you know, just because of like, because we had gone through that dip before when, when we hit, um, about 25 million in 2012, you know, foreseeing what 2013 would look like, I just didn't see significant growth. And we had been growing like significantly, we felt like. And, um, and so I thought, oh, well, I know what, I know what it, you know, I know a little bit now about what it would be like to sell your business. You want to always be going on a high. You don't want to sell while you're, you have this dip, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like trying to find out, trying to just be realistic of the right timing to sell. Um, and, and then also how Amy and I were feeling in the business. Like I definitely was starting to get burnt out in like that time frame. Um, you know, the larger you get, the more problems you have. And it just, you know, um, it just was getting exhausting. So I think right. I, I was emotionally kind of getting burnt out and I was, you know, it's just, you never know when the right time to sell is. And so, you know, just constantly thinking about that and talking to Amy about like, are we there? Are you burnt out? Am I burnt? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so, so when we decided, um, 2013, um, we met with the investment broker, probably that first quarter and we, we discussed things with him and then we decided, okay, we're, we're going to sign the papers with him, with them. It was a group, um, you know, the, during the fourth quarter, we're going to, we're going to do this. So we, we, um, you know, thought about it seriously for that pretty much port, a majority of that, that year in 2013. And when we signed, um, with them to help us sell, uh, I think we signed like in September and then we were done, like we were sold the company out of the company by, um, it was March 21st of the next year. Wow, that's, so yeah, that's a, yeah, pretty accelerated. So, oh, and by the way, when you're burnt out like that, it becomes a lot less fun to not pay yourself and to be juggling <laughs> cash, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not for a blind passion because you love what you do. It becomes more of, uh, it's a totally different dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily we were paying ourselves in, but still it was just like, you know, I mean, um, it was, it was just uh it's just stressful. I mean, it's stress it's been, and it's not fun. I mean, I know people can, maybe a lot of people thrive on it. What I'm learning is it seems like a lot of people thrive on stress and, and I, I mean, it really affected me like physically and emotionally. And I just didn't want to live like that. And, you know, so, so anyway. when, you, when you're, no, I have been there. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're, when you're like the emotions, when you sign that, you're probably already having a little bit of like relief that you made the commitment to, to go that direction. Did you guys have an idea? I mean, because you'd already been talking to the investment banker throughout the time. Mm-hmm. So you, I'm assuming they were kind of shedding some light, but 
who and what the options were. Was it like financial firms, like private equity? Was it, you know, a public company? Like, I think you eventually sold to, was it competitors? What was the idea in your head of what your probable outcome was going to be? Yeah, I think in our head, when we signed with them, we figured it would probably be a competitor. Totally. Yeah. But this was interesting though, because I mean, again, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, there's this whole world of what they do. And I mean, he, they, when we signed with them, they're like, okay, we're going to set up this executive summary for you, go through your financials. But then we've got this list of like, you know, hundreds of people or hundreds of, sorry, companies within our network um, that we know are either looking or have bought companies in the past. Um, And so, um, and like I said, they were kind of niche to our industry. So they knew us very well, but they were going through, so we spent time like going through this list with them and rating each company by whether we knew them, um, if we were interested in, they were, they were international companies that we never heard of. Um, and so, so we spent time a few days just like going through that. And, and, and then, um, so that just was like eye opening because there was just so many companies I never thought, you know, why would this you mm-hmm. know, company in Australia be interested in us? But, um, and so we narrowed it down to like, what 20. Were some of the, sorry to interrupt. Cause I think it's important. Yeah. Cause like, as, cause it, everybody buys a company for various reasons, whether it's a return on capital because they're coming from a PE firm or strategic reasons, you know, as they're explaining why these people are, what were some of the, you know, Oh, that makes sense that you might've heard. And then that's my first question. And then, I'll, and then yeah. I got another one that ties up after that. Okay. Yeah. I think most of them are interested in, so um, our clientele was, natural gas and energy. So like energy, I feel like is always big, but it was especially big then and I still now, but so I think they were interested in what our clientele. And so like there were international companies that just wanted to maybe get another, um, to get a footing in the U S. And so they thought with, so there were some that were interested in that they thought would be interested in us because of those reasons. Um, none of them were PEs. So they were all PE firm, like, Mm -hmm. um, um, but they were all, yes, sorry. Um, but most of them were engineering or construction, um, other environmental firms. So, so in a way, competitors, but probably not in our space. Like diversifying um, products and services for their and buying clientele, so they can overlap selling and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you were, so then uh, as you're going through rating that, and you're, I'm, you know, going back to what your, you know, your passion for your employees and such. I mean, w- were you getting any kind of guidance on how each person would treat? the employees or the the acquisition? Did you have any idea when you're rating them or did you find that stuff out later with, uh, as you're talking to people? Um, you know, I think we knew some of them, like some of the companies that were in the U S that were large, we had an impression on some of them just based on, um, past acquisitions of other companies. So we heard through the grapevine, like maybe what had an idea of what would happen. Mm-hmm. So there were some that maybe we avoided because of that, but otherwise, just in that initial, until we met with the companies, until we met with the companies that were specifically interested in us, that's when we started to get a better feel of like, you know, maybe um, how they would, how they would, how, Go what, it, what yeah. would happen. Yeah. With our employees. So when yeah. you do, when you said, well, with the investment bankers and in your head, when, when you and Amy sat down, was it, Hey, this is the number we both want because was it a net number? Was it a gross number? And then what were the stipulations? Like, don't want to work there or don't mind or have to keep our employees. You know, in like, what was it that you described that you wanted? And then maybe that kind of jumps into the second part of the question, which is how did it actually turn out? Right. Yeah. So we definitely had, um, we had a net number. So we went in knowing like, and again, I think because of our experience, we knew there were going to be costs. And so I think a lot of people I've talked to don't realize like some of these significant <laughs> costs when you sell a business. And so we had a net number in mind, but when we decided like, this is the time we're both burnt out, like, Hey, I don't know how much our revenue is going to grow next year. We knew, okay, we're probably not going to hit that net number, but we had already, Amy and I had already kind of decided that before we went in with the investment banker. And then, and then they broke it down and then they said, okay, here's, um, I think your multipliers are going to be between here and there. And, you know, hopefully I think they're going to be at the higher end because of these reasons. So, but still we felt like we were probably going to be less than that net number that we, we said we wanted. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I tell people is like, just know what you need because I mean, and it's, it's probably hard to also figure out what you really need, but I mean, we were hoping to, I mean, Amy was retiring. This was her exit. I wasn't sure if it would be, um, the end of, you know, my career. I didn't think it would be, um, I didn't think I would continue on with the company. That was not my goal. Um, it wasn't, so it wasn't Amy's goal to continue on with the company. I mean, we were open to a few years, but, um, we didn't, we were selling to exit ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Mm -hmm. um, so 
and that was kind of tricky too, because you, you know, knowing how to say, not sure what the other company is looking for as well. Like, do they want me to stay or do they want me to exit? Yeah, you know? How much you willing to pay me for how long and what are the terms and conditions, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and cause I think I, we met with a few companies that were, um, I think were interested in me staying and I made it clear that I wasn't, that's not my goal. And so, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, well, maybe I was a little bit too honest, but that's just, you know, I think it's better to be honest than, <laughs> than not. But, you know, going through that, it's like, you're kind of not necessarily dating, but in a way you're like trying to get to know these people like very over a short period of time. And it's a major deal. And, and are we going to work well together? And, you know, how much should I really share with you about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I am I going to shoot myself in the foot by not getting a certain dollar amount or certain terms and conditions because of what I said? Right. And I think, you know, based on your process, how many buyers were coming to the table? Cause how many, first question, how many buyers that came to the table? And then how did that impact the negotiation and getting what you want? Right. So we ended up having, so we, we had like 20 people review our document. We had um, 15 people that we, or 15 companies that we met with like oh, within wow. one week, which was crazy. Meeting, you know, meeting all those companies within one week at time was crazy. Um, but then after that, then it was, there was one buyer that was on a, um, a time crunch. So like the other, there was other buyers that were interested, but not ready to do it before the end of the year. And, um, and so we only had, we had three people come to the table at the same timing as this more aggressive buyer. And so, um, instead of, cause the other comp- there was a few other companies that were interested, but they wanted to wait. And maybe mm-hmm. that was their nice way of saying like, it's just not going to work, but it, it was our impression that it just wasn't the right quarter for them. Um, they were, you know, they were going to need a little bit more time. Negotiation tactics too, sometimes, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we had three and then, but there was really just one that was very, very aggressive, very serious. And, um, the other two weren't, um, uh, the offers weren't as, I mean, they didn't compare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we had the three, but the, the, um, the, the one we ended up going with was the def- definitely, um, the bigger, the better deal for us. So did they shoot over like a number. Was there a letter of intent that had a bunch of, you know, kind of here's the outline of everything. And then you dove into due diligence. Maybe give us a couple of milestones of the timing of, of that. Yeah. They sent us over, um, 11, 10. And you know what? Um, I think if I remember this correctly, I think that they sent us, they wanted to close by the end of the, that year. So we met them in like oh, wow. September. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, at, at first they were the only ones that came back and within that timing. And I, I want, I felt like we should wait. And so we didn't know if we were missing the deal, but we just went back and said, okay, we're not ready yet. But then that first quarter, they were still interested after we hmm. said, because we were waiting for those other two offers to come in. And, um, and so, um, so, so they had, they ended up sending us another, a second letter because, oh, you know, that yeah. first one had a timing of the end of the year. So they sent us a second letter and we felt like, okay, we're ready to go because we saw these other offers. And, and so once we signed the letter, um, we did, I mean, there was some negotiating on that letter of intent, like how it was, the deal was going to be broken down. Um, that's a whole learning process too. Cause you think, <laughs> or at least for me, I'm like, okay, we're just gonna get cash. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. or I feel like that's what I want, you know, like that's what I, you know, and so what, so the process of that, because they actually wanted to give us more stock than what we were wanting to take. And, um, and so our deal was a, uh, the mixture of, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. It no, was, no, this um, is great because I, I think, so let, let's, cause the, I think that's all part of the negotiation. I actually have a, there's a, one of my episodes I interviewed this gentleman who was kind of on the advising side and it was like, you tell me the price, I'll tell you the terms because it's like, Hey, you, here's millions of dollars, but like, it's not in cash. <laughs> right? Right, there's, right. There's all these caveats. So, you know, how did you guys go to figure out, what you know? What was it? A combination of stock retention or non competes or cash? Yeah. Or like how did how how did they actually go about negotiating that? And then what? Did, how did it actually end up getting structured? Yeah, they um, I you know we had um, you know we had our part of our team was our uh, M and A lawyer and our M and A accountant amongst with our investment banker and um, and so you know they came back with you know I think it was stock cash and then a, a note I think the note was always in there um employment agreements. And so we just were kind of trying to figure out what, what we could live with and what we felt most comfortable with. So we went back and forth a few times. And so what we end up was, you know, a percentage of cash up front and then, um, a smaller percentage of stock than what they originally had said. And then, and then a note payment over three years. Um, and, and I wasn't familiar with what a note was and I'm like, okay, are we really going to get that money? But you know, they, they, you know, the lawyers and everyone said, you know, unless they go bankrupt, you're going to get that money. So, um, but it's all these things, you know, trust, you know, like, 
this is such a big deal. And is this, you know, so it was great to ask my network, not even just my advisors, but just ask the network of people that I know as well that have gone through this, like what kind of, what, what did your deal look like? Does this, does this sound right? Like, cause I mean, I'm, my advisors are there for me. I know that, but I'm paying them as well. And they want the deal to go through too, you know? <laughs> right. So it was nice to be able to reach out to some other women that have gone through this and, and, and get their feedback. But, um, did it change so, yeah. in between the your negotiated LOI and explain maybe in a couple sentences the due diligence process? Um, so yeah, due diligence is not a couple of sentences. That that was like, I mean, God, I thought I was stressed out before the sale. Oh, and I laugh because of your face reactions. Well, the people, the <laughs> listeners don't realize that we're actually on video right now. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and so so due diligence. So all, all that's like kind of going back to like you know, Amy and I's original agreement, like she didn't like all the, you know, numbers and blah, blah, blah. So that like really fell on me, which I was totally fine to handle. But, you know, we're growing a business. Um, there's a time constraint that you have to get all this stuff. And then it, for the way we've, we've did everything was it was secret. We didn't tell any of our staff until the day it happened. Mm-hmm. And, and, th- and that was what was recommended to us. And I understood why. And I felt, I agreed that that's what we should do. But, you know, so I had to, run my normal day to day. And then, and then behind the scenes, I was doing all this due diligence and it was just, you know, it's just stressful. All the questions they're asking you and you try not to be defensive and, you know, you know, and it's just like, it's just business, but it's like, you know, they're picking at things and why do you do it this way? And why, you know, and, and then the terms that you might not, that's why it was great to have like an investment banker to help me through that because, um, and I know people do it different ways, but like that, they made me feel more confident that they could help me you know, these guys that were buying us have bought multiple companies and they've built this, they've built a company before and then sold it. And now they're building another one. You know, they, they're so experienced. And then there's just me, you know, and, 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 uh, and Amy. And so, um, so it was definitely, I mean, I, I had no clue how stressful it would be. It's like be. a full cavity search, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't have anything to hide, but it was just it's like, still... it's just a lot. It's a lot of information and it's, how did you go about like, you know, cause when we were going through it, you know, we'd at, you know, as they were looking at contracts and stuff like that for us, or even like our clients, anybody that needs to see the contracts. And so, you know, when you're going back and requesting information from your employees, how did you, did they, was there any kind of, first of all, how did you feel about that? Cause you're, you feel like you're kind of hiding something. How did you feel? And then how did you actually go about getting the information for them without actually telling them? Well, I don't know if there was anything, I'm trying to think if there's anything I had to go like that I had to go back for my employees. I don't think there was stuff that I had to, I mean, the, the main person I had to go around or through was my, at that point, her, I think she was director of finance. Mm-hmm. So she would, you know, um, luckily I liked that stuff and I, I was doing a lot of this stuff myself, but like just running reports and different things like that. So sometimes I'd have to ask her, can you run this report for me? I need it for whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I tried not to lie but, and, uh, and, but I, and I didn't want to be suspicious, but I, I just felt like it was best for everyone if we didn't share. And the reason why I felt like, I just know people get scared. And, 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 um, and I mean, this is a hard topic because like, you know, Amy, Amy and I are a great match because we have different strengths and she, I would feel like is more the emotional, like the bigger heart. Like, I think I'm a good person too. I think I have a good heart, but like, she was really, really like, she felt, I think, worse about not telling the employees than I did because she felt like we were lying to them. But I, I had to remind her, I said, I don't want this to sound cool, but this is our company. Like you and I started this by ourselves. We didn't pay ourselves for six months. We, we, you know, mortgaged our house or like all this is on us. And so like, this is our exit. Like, I, and I don't feel that we're, you know, setting up. I, I agree that I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to just so the, the, the employees like send them off they're on their way and not care what they're doing. I, I feel like we're going to set them up for success. And I know that they're all, I mean, they, uh, they are all highly qualified. They're all, they're good at what they do. So they're going to be valued. And I just really felt like that. And so, but I felt like for this transaction, this is about you and I, Amy, you know, this is, this is what we built. And like, sometimes I just felt like I was more of the, well, you were rational, very rational yeah, because yeah. no, I, I really mean that Kelly, because you know, even though your best employees are there, they still, people go into survival mode and next thing you know, you got your key employees looking for jobs because it's unknown and people are freaked out of right. the unknown and then, yeah. and then it's bad for everybody. So it's literally right. the prudent thing to do and it's, but it is difficult. It's yeah. Yeah. So how did you guys, did. Tell, how'd you guys tell them then? So that's, yeah, we, um, so we, 
I flew in. So our main, I mean, I'm in North Carolina and I, our main office was in New Jersey. Um, we started in New Jersey and I moved down here later. So anyway, I flew in that, that morning and, um, and the, the team that was, you know, the, the company that was buying us was moving or flying in later that afternoon. So we had set up uh, a leadership meeting with our senior staff. We called them our leadership team. And it was just like five or six of us. And so we had already planned for everybody to come in because most of our staff, again, were, like a lot of us were remote. So like we had staff in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but then we had staff across the country. And so we had people, other people flying in from different states for this leadership team meeting. And so that was the first thing we, I mean, we were so nervous. I, mean, I was going to say, I can, yeah, the oh stomach ache is terrible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, I just hope we don't cry. Like, you know, and I knew it. So, but I, but we didn't, and I said, you know, and, and honestly, the way we explain it, and I still believe it, it's just like, we felt like, you know, we saw the potential in where AK could go. We kept growing and, and, but we, we felt like we were almost kind of blocking the way. Like, I just felt like it, it, there needed to be, I felt like we kind of gotten it as far as we could have gotten it. At least that was my mindset at that moment. And um, I just really felt like I'm burnt out. Like, I just don't know how much more I can do. I don't, I don't feel like it's fair for us to just like level out at wherever we are or, mm -hmm. or dip again. I don't know. And so I felt like we're, you know, positioning, you know, selling the company to another company who is buying us strategically because they don't do what we do. Mm -hmm. So they needed all of us. They needed our staff. They needed, they needed our expertise. So I felt confident that, Hey, we're, we're going to be part of this bigger company that you're going to continue to do what you're doing, but it's going to be more opportunity for you, more, you know, a bigger client base, you know, um, more management, you know, ability for them to move up. I mean, you know, things like that. So, so that's how we explained it. And, and I, and I feel that way, but I mean, it's also hard too, because I mean, that's what they loved about our company though, too. I mean, a lot of these, our staff came from large companies and so they liked the family feel. They liked that they could call me at any time and, and, you know, and people would say, you know, I've never been able to talk to, my title was vice president. I mean, mm -hmm. Amy and I were co-founders, but she was president and I was vice president. And, you know, we had staff that were like, I, I've never been able to just call up the vice president and talk to them whenever I wanted to, or, or the president, mm -hmm. you know, Amy and I were always available. And, and, and so we did have that family feel. And so I think they were nervous about that. Um, but we told them, Hey, we're going to be here. And that was something you asked me. I didn't answer was Amy had a two year agreement and I had a one year agreement. And, um, and so I said, we're, you know, we're going to be here for the transition. And, and, and again, that's another thing we didn't tell them. We didn't tell them we have a two year agreement and I have a one year agreement. We just said, Hey, we're going to be here. Yep. You know, we're going to keep help continue to grow and blah, blah, blah. And, um, because, you know, just because we had a one year agreement didn't mean that, or that I had a one year agreement didn't mean that I couldn't stay longer mm -hmm. if things were going well. So I feel like there's my strategy is just never tell people too much if you don't need to, because you don't necessarily know that, you know, you don't know what it's going to be like in a year. I mean, maybe, Can't maybe it would have been there. Yep. Right. Right. Well, and what was it? Well, let's go back to what was it like Kelly when you signed? Like what was the emotional, emotional state? And what were you thinking when that happened? For me, I was, um, it was like, I felt relieved. Like I felt, I mean, I, like I said, I can, there was just so much stress building over the last few years and of those years. Um, and I have young daughters and, um, or they, they were younger at the time. And I, I just didn't want my life to be just work all the time. So like for me at the moment, I mean, I wasn't sad. I was happy. I, I felt, um, I felt relieved. I felt like we did it, <laughs> you know, like it, it went, we made it here and we sold and, um, and you know, what's next, but I didn't feel, I didn't really feel sad. Um, how did that change you know, as you were, you know, you built this baby and everybody refers to founders that have the pass on their baby. Um, yeah. you know, as you're going through the integration with the new company, I mean, how did it feel giving away everything you'd built? Yeah. Um, it, the hardest part was like, I always felt like I, I wasn't a control freak. And so maybe, maybe I am. And I didn't realize it. But it was more the fact that I was able to solve problems. So that's when, when I lost control of like, when I integrated all the finances and all everything that I had my finger on before, and if an employee called me and, you know, I could fix it right away. And so once that, once everything was integrated, so we, we sold like in, it was March. I mean, everything was integrated by like August. It was, it was I feel like it was fast. It was within a few months. And then, you know, when I get a call from an employee that this happened, 
I can't do anything. So like I, I call, I call them, I call, you know, the, the owners now and say, Hey, this happened. And I, I was open to how can I help you with this? Like, I know I have no tools to be able to do it myself now, but can I help you solve this problem? And that was the hardest part because the way they solve problems is not how I would solve problems. <laughs> and I feel like they made it. I feel like, you know, that was just, that was the hardest part because I think a lot of us just like to, you know, I, that's, that kind of goes back to like the beginning of the whole business is like, I just wanted to help Amy. Like I knew she could be successful. So like, I just wanted to help her and, and, and make this, you know, make this company, but you know, just, so not being able to help somebody is just like, paralyzing. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God. And it's so frustrating. And like, and so, yeah, that was a hard, that was a hard time that my year that, um, I was with them, um, after I lost control and I, I even hate saying lost control, but it was, I, it I is. Think, we're yeah. control freaks. Come on. Entrepreneurs are control freaks. That's why yeah. we're willing to deal with crazy amounts of stress and risk just to be able to make a decision on our own, even right. if it's wrong. Exactly. And that's what it is. It's like, yeah, being able to make that decision. Yeah. It's just, and I wasn't, I couldn't, and, and they didn't even really necessarily want my advice either, which was like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, and I, so. I mean, so, you know, you meet, you know, it's like you meet people and, but you know, I don't know their whole story. I don't know all the things they've gone through in different acquisitions. You know what I mean? So I, I can see that they probably have gotten bitten by things that they did in the past uh, and trying to do different things with us. Um, but um, but so yeah, when, that was hard. That was frustrating. <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you look back, you know, what's one thing that you might have done differently? Like for the sale or just in general, the business? Just in general. You know, if there's, if there's one thing that you say, you know what? you know, throughout growing the business or, you know, throughout the sale or even, you know, that kind of leads into my second part of the question, which is what you're doing now. You know, is there any, is, oh, maybe a better question is, is there, is there anything you would, would have done differently? I think, um, I think the only thing I kind of talked about this before is, it's just hiring the senior leadership underneath us. Like I, I, I was just naive to the fact that, um, you know, I, I don't know. I knew that I didn't know everything, but I guess I felt like nobody else would care as much as I did. And I think you can find the right people and um, with that have the passion that, you know, they care just as much about the company as you do. And so I think I definitely waited too long and I think um, to hire. And then I think too, I mean, at least for me, using a recruiter for these like really strategic hires, that was key. Like if I would have met that recruiter like three years prior, I would have totally hired somebody then. Like I just mm -hmm. didn't know what I needed to hire. And and that recruiter helped me um, with the confidence of like, okay, this is really what you need. And I know this because of this. And, and then interviewing multiple people for this, like, like I said, controller CFO role, because our company was growing. And, and I, you know, it's just like, I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of level of finance person I need. Um, but that, and I think it goes for any kind of like senior level position is that just having that team underneath you, because it alleviates the stress then. And then, mm -hmm. I think I may have, I may have been able to last a few years longer. You know, I mean, I, our company, um, I, I, Pete, my husband jokes that like, and he's just joking, but you, you never know the right time to sell your business. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I mentioned the fear of like, okay, we had about 25 million and, 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 um, 2013 was about the same around 25 million. So I, I wasn't sure what 2014 was going to be like, and we had to make a projection for the sale and all that. And that's hard. Um, so we projected, you know, conservatively, but we blew that out of the water. We like hit 30 million that year. And Pete's like, man, you should have sold this. <laughs> like, yeah. You never know. But Don't like, think I, about it. Right. Yeah. You think about it. But I think, um, I was just so burnt by that time. And I think going back to your question is like, if I would have had that support system underneath me and it's my own fault. I mean, it's nobody else's fault besides myself. It's just not really getting that right. Support. I think a lot of us are very much in the same boat where you, I think you nailed it when you said it's about caring. It's not necessarily the control. It's about caring as much. So mm -hmm. now that, now that you've been out for a couple of years, you know, what are you doing now? How has life after business and actually been treating you and how, you know, how have you adapted to the, the new version of what you're doing? Um, life is great. Like I, um, my, again, my husband said, you know, once, once I was done, uh, once I had, with the with the company that bought us um he's like just take a year off don't do anything like don't worry about anything just you know relax and um and i've always loved to volunteer and so i i just did start doing more volunteer work and um um and so that year went by and i'm like okay i still don't know what i want to do <laughs> and now it's almost been like three years since um i left um 
Envy Five, and um, and I, you know, I think what I've decided is, or at least at this moment, um, you know, I really enjoy mentoring other businesses. Um, uh, you know, if that's either through volunteer programs, like um, there's different um groups within the triangle. Um, I'm an angel investor um, with a group here and. Um, so I, I like being part of the entrepreneurial community and learning about what others are doing and seeing if I can be helpful in any way. Um, I, I just, I, I've I kind of explored like, could I ever work for somebody? And I, right now, I don't think I could. <laughs> you know what someone said to me once, and I just loved the, how they phrased it. I think it was Norm Brodsky's podcast interview. He goes, or it was like, I'm professionally unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I think I am. Yeah, it's, it's just not that I couldn't. I think I could get along with people, but I think it's so hard. Like you said, it's not even the control. It's like being able to make that decision on your own, and yep. I don't want to have to ask somebody. Like right. I don't know. It's just it's, even if it's a colossal failure, at least I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. Um, so yeah, no, I'm just uh, yeah. So I'm just enjoying my time. I've I've gotten to um, do more traveling with my family. We went on um. um a cross country RV trip, like a summer, not last summer, but the summer before, which was awesome. Oh, and um, so just, you know, and my girls are now like 10 and 13, which I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. If <laughs> you, you have a daughter, right? Is twin, twin girls that are twin one. Girls. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to get some serious advice from you on other topics later. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's just, it's so, so nice to be available and present. You know what I mean? Like I, um, that was something I talked about with some friends last year is like, I just really want to be present with my family and be home because, and I don't know if it's just something I need to work on, but you know, when I've got a project or when, you know, with AK, it was always in my head. It was always on my mind. And, and if we're sitting at the dinner table, and, you know, you know, even though I worked from home a lot, um, you know, I'd turn off the computer at five and come out, but it's, it's still going on in my head, you know? And so I always felt like there were things that I just missed in conversation. And I think now, especially with Sonora being a teenager, um, it's just so nice to really try to be present and understand what's going on. And, um, and I know not everybody can do that. So I, I feel like, you know what, I should take advantage of this time. Like if I can, which I, I can, I think I, I'm not going to rush into it. something. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to rush into doing something, keeping myself busy with something else. I want to, yeah, just try to be more present with my family and then do the things I like to do, which is like volunteering and get to know other um, entrepreneurs. And, you know, I mean, there's there's people I meet that, um, I mean, there could be potential businesses happening, but like, it'll just, I think it'll just happen. Your relationship but, with those potential businesses might be a little bit different then though, um, based on your experience, huh? Yeah, yeah. So um, Kelly, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Um, I think LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, do I like just Kelly Caldwell? I don't even know. Yep. Um, and then I'll have it all in the show notes as well. Okay. So, yep. Yep. Thank so you. they can get in touch with you there. Well, thank okay. you so much for coming on. I absolutely had a blast. I had fun too. Thank you so much for your interest in my story. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Kelly. I had a blast talking to her and she did an amazing job walking us through all the different parts of the entrepreneurship journey. And if I had three things that I had to take away from the conversation that we had, the first one, and I think the most important one, is the mental shift from that dry run with that potential buyer that happened with Kelly and Amy, because it is crazy important that you look at your business differently, even though it might not be as enjoyable. As she said, you know, the passion and the way you treat things might be significantly different, but getting yourself to look at the important things and the right things. And it took time. I mean, Kelly and Amy, it took them time to get to the point where they were like, yes, I'm ready. But they had been mentally going through the process, looking at their books differently, looking at their people differently, and then looking at their options differently because they've been thinking about it. Because it's a mental process and you can't just immediately pull the rug underneath you. Because if you do, certain things are going to be processed after the fact, like the last episode with Bobby Martin. So mentally getting yourself ready. And so that second Second main takeaway that relates to that is looking at a dry run and looking at a potential buyer. How do they look at it? What do they view your company like? What are the things that they would change? How would it be valued? And even if you don't want to sell, looking at it that way will give you the calibration you need for how long is this going to take? What are the things that I might need to do? So you can actually work on it and mentally get yourself into that different state of mind so you can do the things that are necessary to get you 
out from underneath your business to a place that you've got options. And the third that I think is always a relevant issue is how important your employees are. Your employees and your culture are your your family, but they're also the people that bring your customers in. And that is something that the buyers look at. And it's fun while you're there, but it's also something that the buyers are going to value because of the stability that you've built and the team that is underneath you that can deliver the services that you want to your customers. So until next week, I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you like it, go on iTunes and rate it. But otherwise, I'll see you next week.